Is it? Is it? Yes, it is. It's an airport cast. But why don't you sound muffled? Where's your mask? Well, when you're sitting at the airport bar drinking a beer at 9.30 in the morning, you don't need a mask. Ah, Rainier. The best breakfast, dude. The best beer. Anyway, we got a cool show today. We got a session recap. We got the conclusion question mark to the switching characters chronicles uh and we got some calls man some calls from some folks we haven't heard from in a long long time so let's just dive into those calls are we doing that first yeah no let's do let's do the session recap first and the conclusion then we'll get to the calls (laughs) All right, so we I just got home from what I thought was going to be the last session of the book one of Curse of the Crimson Thrones, but no, we didn't quite make it to the end of book one. Anyway, so as I said, we're the party's in the middle of this dungeon. We're on a quest to find the body of this Shawante warrior, his grandfather, uh, a, a person named Thousand Bones, commissioned us to go find his body. And if we didn't find his body, the grandfather and the and the father of the missing of the body we're going to find are going to declare war on the city, and it's going to be bad, bad news. So we're like, let's do it. So that's what we're in the midst of. And yeah. <laughs> Turns out, not only are we looking for his body, but the first thing we came across was an arm, a dismembered arm with a bunch of Shawanti tattoos on it. So we're like, oh shit. So not only do we have to find the body, we have to find the body parts. (laughs) It was collect the body parts, which is a gnarly mission. I've never been on a mission like that before. So we came across an arm, came across the head. It was attached to a flesh golem that was in the process of being made. So we had to detach the head from the flesh golem. Then we came across a torso that had another arm still attached, which was super horrific. And it was still moving around and shit. Then we found the legs and hips. It was it was a mess. It was a mess. But it was a really, really fun session. One of the most fun sessions we've had in a while. I think because it's the holiday seasons, everyone was just in a really joyful mood and it showed and it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of laughter. It was just, uh, yeah, a, a really, <laughs> a really fun time. Um, so, yeah. So how did the how did the discussion go? So at the at the beginning of the game, before the game even started, uh, our our dungeon master brought it up, which that's cool, right? Like, I I love Jay as a dungeon master. She's new, but she's really taken on the responsibility that some people argue about. But I don't know. I I feel it's part of the DM's responsibility to be the moderator, the arbiter of the outside of the game stuff too within the group, you know, being in charge of kind of the group dynamics. And I, 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 I respect the hell out of her for doing that. 
I, I feel the same way. So absolutely. So she brought up to the group, hey, Joe's thinking about changing his character out. What do you all think? So we had this discussion um, and there are, you know, there's three other people in the party. Um, and so uh, Penny, the, the, the dude playing Penny, the cat folk rogue, he asks, he's like, well, why? Why do you want to do that? So I explains my reasoning, which I have explained on this show a couple times, you know, from a metagame point of view, I just want to play an alchemist. <laughs> I want to play this alchemist. But from a story point of view, he's ready to retire, man. He's ready to call it quits for now uh, and kind of go on the back burner. So I explained my reasonings and that that player was like, hmm, okay, okay. Um, the player playing Fleeb, the human fighter, said, I really, really, really like Skinner. But I really want to see Templeton. I was excited when you talked about Templeton. I was a little bummed when you didn't play Templeton. I love Skinner, but I kind of want to see Templeton. So I was like, okay. And then the third player who plays Kelsier, um, he was just like, I really like Skinner and I don't really want you to switch. And I was like, okay. And Jay, the fourth player, in our, well, yep, the fourth player in our group, I had to do the math real quick, uh, was like, yeah, okay. Generally, this is what she said. Generally, I like to, you know, I follow the mantra of you got to, you know, sleep in the bed that you made, basically, which I get. That's <laughs> I used to feel that way uh, when I first started GMing. Again, you know, I was like, yeah, no, once you make your decision, you can never change. There's no changing, blah, it's all sacrosanct. But, yeah, now I realize that stuff is just kind of, meh, whatever. And, yeah, and so she's absolutely cool with it, too. So, in a vote of uh, three to one, we voted that. I could change. So that's cool. But we haven't reached the end of the adventure yet. So Skinner will be around for one more session, at least. At least. And the fact that everybody really likes Skinner makes me really happy, right? That touches my heart. I like I like playing a character that the other players enjoy. That's one of the things I get out of role-playing games. That's, you know, when you don't do any role-playing and it's all exploration and dungeon delving i i like and even in then i insert role playing in as much as i can because that's fun for me and so the fact that they all really like skinner uh, i find touching and you know that makes me happy but at the same time i'm like well yeah skinner comes from me so you'll probably like the new You'll like the new rat too, man. <laughs> You'll like Templeton too. But who knows? Now I'm nervous, right? Everybody really likes Skinner. What happens if I bring in Templeton and I don't get a good vibe for the character? Nobody likes him. Then that then I'd be sad. But it's not like Skinner is dead. You know, he's just retired. If something happens, Skinner can pop back in. If everyone hates Templeton, Skinner can just come back in and it'll be fine. So, yeah, man, that was the session. That was the conversation. It was really good. It was, you know, democratic. Um, and just 
we communicated with one another. And that's the most important part of group dynamics is communication. You really, really got to communicate, especially because everybody's weird, man. Everybody, everybody's a weirdo. You listening right now, you're a total weirdo. I am a total weirdo. Everybody in the world is a total weirdo. So when you get a bunch of weirdos in the mix, you know, you got to be good at communicating. So nobody gets mad. Nobody gets sad. Nobody gets their feelings hurt. That's not what anybody wants here. We just want to have fun. And we had a really, really, really fun session tonight. And that's, that's awesome. That's, that's, the, that's the shit, man. That's what I love. When the session just sings and everybody's having fun and you, you don't even worry about like the little foibles that happen during the game. You just are, you're just having fun. You're trying to convince monsters that they don't want to murder you, you know, in Odiog who we in- interrupted its dinner. We're trying to convince it not to kill us. And it's just like whap with its tentacles and shit. <laughs> like, yeah, good luck. Oh, yeah. So it was fun, man. We killed a bunch of different monsters, which is always a good time. Like, the guy that gave us the most trouble, the boss for book one, spoilers, but I've been doing spoilers this entire time, so why stop now, is this goddamn little Darrow, which are like, basically, they're sort of like insane dwarves, right? Uh, maybe insane gnomes is closer than insane dwarves, but they're underground dwelling creatures. They're just totally batshit, murderously insane. And this dude was just laughing, flying around, casting all kinds of spells on us. He, uh, at one point, Penny, the catfolk rogue, was blinded and sickened. Our, at that same time, our sorcerer, Kelsier, was paralyzed and nauseated. Uh, plus, there was a fog cloud that was giving us a 20% miss chance. It was a friggin' mess of a battle, dude. But it was a super fun battle. And it's like what I was talking about in my last episode. It was a battle that took some time that if it was just a one-shot, one-dead fight, you know, it, it would have been so, so... So anticlimactic when the combats move that fast fights don't take i don't know i don't feel they take on that even though they're maybe really deadly but if they're just boom 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 i don't feel they have that gravitas it's just too fast uh so this fight took some time and we had to position ourselves and move around the map and everything and it was awesome man fully engaged everyone was fully on board the whole time and it ruled so yeah, it was a great session of Curse of the Crimson Throne, dude. I I'm well pleased with this adventure so far. It's it's weird, you know, it's a weird fun adventure. Um but yeah, cool. So that's it. That's the session recap. Now, let's let's get into some calls, dudes. I got some calls from folks you haven't heard from in a while, which is very exciting. Very very exciting. So let's kick it off with one of those strangers. Hold up, hold up. I am down in Southern California, and there is one more thing I forgot. I can't believe I forgot to say about the Curse of the Crimson Throne game. It was my favorite part. It was absolutely my favorite part. So when we were kind of wrapping up, clearing out the dungeon, checking for treasure, 
one of the magic items, well, one of the things we found was a spoon. And the spoon checked it. It had some magic, checked out what it did. And so what this spoon does is a couple times a day on command, the spoon fills up with like a basically a flavorless gruel, but it's nutritious enough to sustain someone for an entire day. And I lost my mind, right? Because you, you all have heard me talk about Tales from My D&D campaign a billion times, a billion times. I love that uh, YouTube channel. The, uh, the end of the, well, not the end of the campaign, but he's wrapping up basically telling the story of one campaign for a while and he's going to start telling a different story. So that should be interesting. But anyway, the first arc of the show, like the first, I don't know, 10, 12 episodes are all about the heroes questing to find these magic food giving spoons, dude. And I was so stoked to see one in an actual game and Jay doesn't know Tales from my D&D campaign. She didn't write this module. It was just in the module. And I just got so excited. I just lost it. And she's like, what? It's just a spoon. <laughs> like, she didn't think a weird little magic spoon would bring one of the players so much joy. But it did. And I was stoked. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Let's get into the calls. Because, Yeah. The voice you're about to hear is one you haven't heard on this show for a long time. Oh, Joe, long time, no chat, just listening to your tools for the toolbox. And I thought to myself, you know what, that, that idea you were talking about, kind of focusing on one character for a bit of an episode and then playing some other games with the whole group and then focusing on someone else. Do you know what, that's... To me, that's something that they use quite a lot in popular media in these TV series. Not that I get to see a lot, but it, that definitely seems to be a vibe. You get a character and then they, they focus on their story for a little while and then they, they move the camera over to someone else and they get into their story. So uh, it, it, works for, it works for these writers of these uh, TV shows, so why wouldn't it work for a DM? Anyway, man... Um, Hoping you're well. Take care. I'll catch you later. Isn't it just nice to hear Spike Pitt's voice again? It is, man. Uh, he actually did recently put out an episode. Go check that out if you haven't. But, dude, Colin, I love hearing from you, man. Uh, it's so good to hear you doing well. And yeah, you know, they do it in Hollywood. Why not do it at your table? <laughs> I agree, man. I, I I don't know why that never really dawned on me before. I've always tried my best to split up the you know the spotlight, if you will, during a session as evenly as I can every single session. But there is something to be said for spending a session more focused on one character and just really digging into that character. I think that's I yeah, and you know. <laughs> As you said, man, they do it in Hollywood. Yeah. All right, let's get into someone else we haven't heard from in a while. Super good to hear from you again, Spike Pitt. Uh, people at the bar are thinking I'm weird. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Goblin Senchman here. Just been listening to the last two shows. Uh, good fun, good comments, good call-ins. 
Um, I will say when I when I listened to, listened to your show when you were describing your former DM, uh, I, I I got my wires crossed there because I thought you were saying that he was the alcoholic who tried to blow up his wife and assassinate her. <laughs> but I uh, I finally twigged that actually that was your backstory to your character. But yeah, I thought that was you know colourful DM. Why not? Um, yeah, in terms of like changing character. Um, I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, you know, I don't see what the advantage you'll be getting. It's just a game, right? You're you're playing with your teammates, not against them. So, no big deal, right? Um, but yeah, fair enough if the DM wants to, to see everyone's cool with that. But I can't see why forcing you to play something you don't really want to play really gels. But all right, fair enough. Dude, so good to hear from you again, henchman. Yeah, man. I don't think you got your wires crossed. I think I'm just terrible at talking. And I'm not good at describing what I am talking about. <laughs> but not that I ever endorse anybody blowing anybody up. I will say, though, if I had a dungeon master that in their past tried to blow somebody up and was still, like, outrunning games and not in jail, that would be, <laughs> that would be pretty interesting. But as far as the switching characters things go, yeah, dude. So you heard how the discussion went, but that was her hang up, right? Is like, I made a choice. I should have to live with that choice. And like I said earlier, I get that. I totally get it. Uh, I, I think that's a feeling that as you get older, you might get over. Because I definitely used to feel that way, but... You got a whole lot more to say, so I just took another sip of Rainier right there, and let's get into the next of your calls. It's so good that you're back. And as for the uh, discussion about the coup de grace business, um, yeah, I think you can argue it both ways. I mean, if there was a good rationale for trying to finish off the character, then um, fair enough, especially if they've got like a grudge or something. But I, th I think in these sort of, I'd probably have gone the way you suggested that that monster would have found another target because I don't know if someone if if you're in combat and there's some other guy swinging a big sword around trying to chop your head off you probably probably think about um, getting getting them out of the equation and then coup de grace them all at the end I mean that actually does bring me to a, a, a an experience I had in a game which you know uh, that didn't gel well with me in that sort of the scenario you described when you had like the whole party incapacitated um, I think I'll pick that up in a, in a follow-on message. So I was in this uh, play-by-post game, and uh, it was good fun. And, and I, I, you know, I feel terrible in the sense that, you know, the DM put a lot of work into it, so I don't really want to say negative things about it. But this, this I think it started, you know, the DM would roll all the dice behind the scene and tell you what, whether you hit or miss and things. Sometimes we get in a situation where it looked like we couldn't possibly win and then somehow we'd win. <laughs> anyway, we got into a scenario where we were definitely cornered and there's no way out. And um, and instead of TPK in the party, what they did was they um, had one of the baddies grab um, my character, the one I was playing, and sort of hold them hostage with like kind of a sword to his throat saying, everyone drop your weapons or you're all dead. Or he gets it rather. And then like he then said the whole party surrendered. And that was his way of saving the party because we were next found in jail. But it didn't really sit well with me. I figured we, we ought to be dead, really. Yeah, I don't think that would have sat with me very well either. It, it's just, 
it feels unsatisfying, unfulfilling, you know, like losing fair and square is fine. Having your bacon pulled out of the fire by a deus ex machina. I don't know, man. We're, we're going to talk more about that here in a second. We have a caller, a first time caller to the show who's going to talk about when and how and why it might be good to do that kind of thing to have the cavalry run in at the end. Um, but yeah, dude, like in that situation that you described henchman, yeah, like not only did he, the dungeon master rescue y'all from a TPK, but I mean, maybe it's different in a play by post game. I've never really done one before. I did one for like, two sessions and was like, yeah, this really isn't for me. So I don't know if this is that big of a deal in play by post, but like for a dungeon master to tell the party what the whole party does, that, (laughs) that would have annoyed me more than, you know, have my bacon pulled out of the fire. So yeah, man, I don't know. I'm sure it was like you said, the dungeon master put in a lot of work and he doesn't sound like he was doing it to be a dick. Obviously he was just trying to progress the story and everything in a, a way that he felt was cool. But yeah, just, just having the dungeon master be like, all you guys surrender. I'd be like, yeah. So dude, thank you. Thank you. Henchman for that story. Um, you have another more fun story later on here but up next we have that first time caller who's going to talk about coincidence and when it when it can be good when it can fit into a game so anthony from the casting shadows podcast take it away dude first time voice on the show this is anthony calling in from the casting shadows podcast in the small bit that i'm picking out of your tools episode is your discussion of coincidence and how that can feel in a game like especially one where the whole group definitely feels like they were defeated and then were just allowed to not be defeated right the coincidence i run a lot of pulp heroic games and i like to run star wars a lot and There, coincidence is a necessary part of presenting the genre as the genre, you know. But the trick is knowing what is an appropriate coincidence and what isn't. Often we see in the films, the heroes have to fight their way out, but they can conveniently get on the trail of the bad guy. When I was first running Star Wars long ago when the West End Games version was new, I had a really hard time with the idea of of coincidence. I didn't want to use it. I wanted everything to come as a direct result of the dice and a player decision. And the game ended up not feeling like Star Wars. And later on, when I got into games like Hollow Earth Expedition and Leagues of Adventure and that sort of thing, that same bias presented a challenge to me again to be willing to like if i'm running all for one which is a musketeers game am i willing to have the cardinals guards show up at a moment when it produces 
drama rather than in a moment when it makes sense that they could be there by the system. All this just by way of saying, I hear you on the coincidence thing. I've been there on the player side thinking, wow, this outcome is really convenient or isn't it a coincidence that we were able to bypass this problem suddenly, even though we've all failed and that sort of thing. And I've certainly felt it on the other side, being willing or unwilling to provide a convenient or coincidental situation, such as catching sight of the fleeing villain coincidentally, if it fits the genre. But making sure we're all on the same page on what that genre is, well, that's the real technique, isn't it? That is the real trick, right? Like, making sure everyone's communicating. That's what I was talking about earlier. Everybody, that was Anthony of the Casting Shadows podcast. And if you're all familiar with RPG A Day, you know, when I put out way too many episodes in a row, this is the dude that, with a friend of his, uh, put it together. And that's awesome, man. Awesome to hear from you, Anthony. That's fucking cool, man. Hmm. Right here is pretty good. Anyway, yeah, no, so coincidence. Catching sight of the bad guy as they flee. That's fun. Having the coincidence to fit the genre, that's cool. But, like, yeah, you know what Goblin's Henchman talked about in his last message and what I was saying earlier. There's a difference between coincidence and then just, like, uh, deus ex machina, you know, where it's just like, oh, you guys are all alive. But yeah, it, it does come down to feeling out the group, feeling out the genre, like you said, and just just getting it together, right? Just making sure everybody's having fun at the table and nobody's feeling weird, nobody's feeling disappointed. Uh, yeah, man. RPGs are a crazy thing, right? Group dynamics are a crazy thing. So, But speaking of crazy things... Or things that aren't really all that crazy. Let's talk about dressing up. In Let's just talk about dressing up. <laughs> you know, Joe, it is very important that you're able to do splits and kick people in the face. And you should play in your clothing around that. They don't offer the Chuck Norris action jeans anymore. Those used to be on the market. But... I, I do make sure I buy my pants with an extra gusset sewn in the crotch area to give that extra mobility in case I do have to bust bust out some sweet moves on somebody. So I, I, I do think that is an important consideration. Dude, of course I remember Chuck Norris action jeans, man. Like, absolutely. I never owned a pair. I have a buddy who did. And <laughs> I just got to say... I don't think <laughs> when I heard you say crotch and gusset together like that, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, man, plan your outfits around the sweet moves you're going to have to do 100%. Like right now at the airport, I'm wearing some sweet, they're not sweatpants. They're, I, I guess they're like jogging pants, but they're very, very flexible. Elastic waistband. They're, you know, they got elastic cuffs at the ankles. 
So, right, like, if I needed to get busy at the airport and just, like, karate fight somebody, I'd be, I'd be ready. I'd be absolutely ready. And I also have, like, a zip-up hoodie on that's pretty sturdy, so if someone tried to stab me, I'd probably be fine, too. I'm, like, ready for action, dude. Forget Chuck Norris, man. Ugh. How the mighty have fallen. Was he ever mighty? No, he wasn't. Chuck, Chuck's all right. I got no beef with Chuck Norris. Well, that's not true. I used to have no beef with Chuck Norris. But anyway, man, let's talk about wearing... Let's talk more about wearing different clothes with the henchman. He's got a tale to tell. And since we're doing cross-dressing stories, I'll um, tell you about the time when I was actually... Uh, I was working in the US, New Jersey, and I was renting this, this place off a landlady. Anyway, I turned on the air conditioner for the first time in the year, and this great big hornet came out. It must have been the size of, I don't know, like literally about six inches big. Anyway, it came flying straight out of this air conditioner. And the only thing I had, <laughs> I was wearing my shorts and like a t-shirt, and the only thing I could think to do was that the, was between me and this hornet was the, the, the broom cupboard. So I got in there, I put on all my landlady's clothes, <laughs> her coat, her, her leggings, her wellies, everything. And I was just thinking, if this lady comes in now, I'm I'm screwed. I'm wearing all her clothes. Anyway, and then I found this pesticide, which was then organic. I thought, oh, God, I need something to kill this damn thing off. Anyway, thankfully, the, uh, the landlady, di landlady didn't appear. Why do you always have such amazing stories, dude? <laughs> Seriously. Your stories, Hedgeman, are awesome. I love them. I love that you were hanging out in New Jersey. I lived in New Jersey from the time I was three years old till the time I was six years old. Uh, some of my, obviously, some of my earliest memories are in New Jersey. I got much love for the Garden State, man. I love that you spent time there, dude. That doesn't surprise me. And... I, I I just have the best picture of you in my head right now. One of those items of clothing you mentioned, I don't know what they are. <laughs> Willies? Whaleys? I, I, I don't know what that is. But I'm just thinking about you in this, you know, kind of like 1950s, 60s style house coat <laughs> with like, curlers in your hair and stockings on trying to kill this monster hornet dude and it, it, it's it's making me so very 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 happy dude <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't record this part in the airport bar but things got complicated and i had to get on the flight so yeah i'm down at my mom's now recording this last little bit for the show so i can get one out before christmas and then maybe get another one out on Christmas. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? But, yeah. <laughs> Dude. Oh, I love that you were in New Jersey. In my mind, we were in New Jersey at the same time. So I would have been there from, what, 81 to 84? Yeah, because we moved out to California in 84. So, like, 81, 80, 81 to 84. Is when I was in Jersey. Were you there then, man? Because that would be awesome. Anyway, let me get out of here. All 
All right, so I think this might be the end of the airport cast. I don't know, there might be an addendum to this when I get back uh, down to my mom's house, but I'm now waiting at the gate. I've left the bar, which I had an amazing time at. <laughs> Four Rainiers and a really strange breakfast burrito. 50 something bucks. <laughs> I love airport bars, they don't, they don't care. The bartender. Monica, um, 25 years old, really fun. I got to find out all about her because a thing I find when I go to a bar is typically you hear stories from bartenders about how customers will come in and tell their entire life story to the bartender without the bartender ever asking. It often works the opposite way with me. <laughs> I gotta find out all about her and her living situation and her relationship with her mom and her crazy, uh, crazy grandpa. It was dope, dude. I had a blast. It was super, super, super fun. And yeah, so now I'm just kind of killing some quiet time. It's slower at the airport than I thought it would be today. There aren't that many people here and that makes me happy. I don't mind that in the least bit. So yeah, thank you everybody for the calls. Thank you to Spike Pit and Henchman for calling in again. It's been a long time since we've heard from you. And it's always, always wonderful to hear your voices. Is that a duck? No, it's just somebody's phone. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Um, yeah, dude, thank you, Anthony, from Casting Shadows for being a first-time caller. That's fun. Throw your hat into the ring in the hindsightless arena, dude. Good for you, man. I'm not, you know, I, I, it doesn't it doesn't bother me at all that during RPG A Day, which you and your friend, you know, got started, that you called into all the other podcasts that I listened to that were doing it, but not to mine. <laughs> I don't even remember that that happened. <laughs> Oh, just fucking around, man. So, yeah, folks, I hope everybody's safe. I hope you're happy. You know, do your best to stay healthy. I just found out uh, a friend of mine up here recently contracted COVID. Uh, he's totally fine now out the other side, but his test results came back positive. Maybe it was a false positive. Probably not. But you just never know. You got to be careful. So stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay happy. If you're traveling... Go to the airport bar, man. Have a drink. Give yourself some time. Don't don't rush through the airport. You know, don't be the people that are mad at the airport. That's all I got to say. Give yourself time to chill out. Should I have another beer? Should I go back? Is that weird? I still got like two hours to kill. We'll see. Until next time, everybody. I love you all you're wonderful thank you for listening thank you for participating thank you for being amazing merry christmas happy new year and until next time peace out